Hey, Woodward's listeners, Kale here. We'll get you to your regularly scheduled program in a second, but first I wanted to do a little self-promotion. We're up to over 100 posts and 1,000 iTunes downloads at woodwardsdetroit.com, and we want to get a little bit bigger, but we need your help. So if you got mad writing skills and want to talk about sports and pop culture, or you got a badass idea for a podcast, send an email our way at woodwardsdetroit at gmail.com. That's woodwardsdetroit at gmail.com. Now let's get you back to what you came here for. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Woodward's Filmcast with Mitch Haba and Colin Ward. Let's go and make the greatest movie ever. Yeah. All right. Camera. What the hell is going on? What a piece of junk. That's really not the case here. This is a great script. Look. Here's the mic. Now you talk towards it. Here's your host, Kale Davidoff. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the second of two episodes this week for the Woodward's Filmcast on Halloween weekend. Are you guys, uh, you guys ready for the scary episode we've got lined up? We're going to talk about Crimson Peak. I'm here as I am every week with my friends. Colin Ward and Mutual Haba. My name is Kale, and we are here with the Woodward's Filmcast. We are your Detroit podcast for film, TV, news, and discussion. Every week we get together, we see the same movie, we sit around and talk about it to death. Um, this week we saw two. We saw Beast of No Nation. You can check that one out too. But this episode, we are getting into the Halloween uh, spirit, watching Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but we start off every episode with some movie, TV headlines and news and notes. Um, you know, this is a Detroit podcast, and we have some Detroit-themed, at least, yes. uh, news and notes uh, this week. Mitch. Do you like comedy, guys? I love comedy. I've been known to like it. Do you like Detroit? Love Detroit. Mostly. So how do you feel about a Comedy Central series about Detroiters? Set in Detroit. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's called Detroiters. Woo! It is produced by Jason Sudeikis. And Who's known to be pretty funny. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, and they announced this back in like January. Um, Sam Richardson, he is like going to be like the main lead in it, along with... Uh, let's see here. Sam Richardson, Jason Sudeikis is in it. Uh, Steve Higgins, Tim Robinson, mm-hmm. who's a writer on SNL. And a bunch of other local and um, non-local comedians and improvisers. This kind of hopped on the news in January this year. I was doing improv classes for the first time around that time. And I heard this and just their buzz was crazy. A lot of people, I mean, Sam Richardson is a Planet Ant uh, alum. Mm -hmm. And Planet Ant is where I do classes now. and, Mm -hmm. And... Everybody is super excited for this, um, and it's now starting to get a lot of traction. Comedy Central just picked it up for an entire season's worth. So, so they shot fingers the, crossed. They, they shot the pilot in yes, Detroit they shot the pilot summer in Detroit, and the question is whether they're going to shoot it in Here's Detroit. The, that's the big question is: We it? would love it if they shot it in Detroit because they could tap they could you know tap into the talent at planet ant and at go comedy and just around the area but 
Um, there's no film incentive, as you all know now. <laughs> uh, so they might shoot it in L.A., which would suck because nothing in L.A. looks like Detroit. Uh, that is true. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, I know people that worked on this show and they, it, they just, everyone had a blast. Everyone loved it. Yeah. And besides having jobs, people have fun on it. It's just like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Bring it back. And that could, that could do wonders for the industry around here. I think so. Um, obviously, there's no incentive anymore. Um, you know, financially, there's no incentive. Yeah. But, man... Jason, if you're listening, dude, bring it, bring it to Detroit, bring it back here. Yeah. I know you had a great time. Yeah, come back. And Sam Richardson, he's kind of blown up. He's in Veep, a um, mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff. He, you know, every time it seems that stars who are not familiar with Detroit come to Detroit and film, they love the place. Oh yeah. And oh. there is a history of Detroit comedy that is so deep, and you know. Um, has its own roots in Detroit. It has like its own style almost. Not a lot of people know about it. And I would love it if they shot it here. You know, we got to see some local talent in the show doing like small spots. I would, it would be great. I would just, yeah. Yeah. Is it a single camera or sitcom? It's a single okay, camera. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and, you know, I just want to say, I think the obvious choice when you want to make any kind of film or TV show in Detroit is to do something serious and dark and maybe a little political and yeah. depressing. Um, I think it would do us all a little good to have a little comedy yeah. thrown in there. Well, um, you know, there's 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 room for the Detroit 187s. There's room for the the Low Winter Sun. What about Unwatchable? Now, Unwatchable <laughs> is Unwatchable. Yeah, Undateable, which was uh, the story. That story. That movie's that TV show is based on uh, me and Johnny, uh, <laughs> yeah. two guys in Ferndale that no one wants to date. Um, I don't know, no, but you, do you guys ever watch Undateable? Yeah, I have. Yeah, no. I watched good. the first five episodes and was extremely disappointed. Yeah, um, there was some like there was like an like one episode there was a funny joke about Detroit, and then the rest of it it's was not like, very oh. Detroit centric. Yeah, is it? no. But Jason Richardson, he was interviewed by the uh, Free Press, or I think it was either the Free Press or the News, and he or no, it was Metro Times. Excuse me, and uh, he said it's okay to laugh at Detroit. Like yeah. we. That's what we should be doing. Um, that's what we need. And these guys are smart. Like these are seasoned improvisers, seasoned actors, seasoned comedians. They know how to poke fun at you know Detroit and still give it the respect it deserves. Whereas I don't get that at all when I watch Undateable. <laughs> I get I just get a very like cynical, bad joke vibe. And it. and a why does this even take place in Detroit kind of vibe. Yeah. You know? Apparently the writers from Detroit. I know, but there's a way to do it. Like like Drew Carey show, Cleveland's a huge part of that show and mm-hmm. for reasons that you are it's a Midwest feel and a Midwest kind of comedy. Yeah. Um I don't understand why Undateable takes place in Detroit. There's yeah. nothing about when you watch it you're like, why is this uh, even yeah. this could be anywhere. Another um, thing to point out is a lot of people don't know this as well is because of the deep and like storied history of improv improv in Detroit and com- comedy in Detroit, there are so many Detroit based improvisers who are in LA now. They basically run the se- the second city in LA. Oh, cool. It's mostly Detroit improvisers. Nice. So there's a lot of talent. Um, it's super exciting to be like kind of in the middle of it as I take classes. It's a community I had no clue about. And I, Hope I wish people would go and see shows at Planet Ant and go see shows at Co Comedy because mm-hmm. 
There's a lot of funny fucking people yeah, in Detroit. Yeah, no, there are. <laughs> you think of the potential for, I mean, just major talent that's come out of here, too. Lily Tomlin, Judy, Tim Judy Greer. Yeah, I mean, all funny performers that um, had roots in Detroit mm-hmm. at some point. Um, yep. Mark, great Mar- Mark Evan Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson is, uh, he plays um, Captain Holt's husband on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. He's from Detroit. Key. Uh, yeah, Michael. What's his name? Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key. He is Southfield. one of the founding members of Planet Ant yeah. that Jason Richardson came from. Um, and for some reason, I can't remember her name, but uh, and uh, Mary Beth Monroe from Workaholics. She's from Detroit as well. The boss, right? Alice. One, cool. Well, one who's I, scary. <laughs> I, I think it's exciting. The show is being picked up, and um, I just hope they shoot. I really hope. There, I think there's honestly not a very good chance that they come back here, but I hope they do. I really you know, hope they do. knowing the comedy community and knowing how like you know smart and um, I guess connected people are, I feel like just to serve the show, I feel like there's going to be a lot of push from Jason Richardson and from other local actors to be like, this has to be shot in Detroit in order to get the feel of. Detroit yeah. and um, hopefully they Comedy Central says yeah you know let's do it let's try it this season yeah the first season try it the first season spend the money if it's a success maybe we will help want to bring back the film incentives yeah. which probably you know I'm being overly optimistic but uh, as is the spirit of Detroit yes mm. yes well cool um, that's great I'm excited Um in other news, another positive news. I like you know, like we're gonna get into some scary Halloween stuff soon. But in in fun, lighthearted, uh, positive film news, um, Detroiters is being picked up, and uh, this came out I think yesterday or today or um, that uh, George Lucas uh, is giving ten million dollars of an endowment to USC uh, specifically for Black and Latino students in film. Um, which is a pretty generous and incredible endowment that he's giving um, for a really good cause. Uh, This press release that I'm looking at, um, it's got quotes about how him and his wife, Melody Hobson, um, you know, they're they're very um, conscious of the fact that Hispanic and African-American storytellers are underrepresented in the industry and they want to do something to change that, Um, which is cool. And I I guess I like bringing this sort of stuff up because... (laughs) You know, there's uh, nothing bigger in the in the film world right now than Star Wars, and this movie's gonna come out, and a lot of people are gonna say how, um, you know, they're gonna point to the the terrible quote unquote prequels that came out in the last uh, to ten years before this one, and you know, a lot of people like to point to the fact that it seemed like a quick money grab for George Lucas, and that all his purpose was in those three movies was to bank on an already profitable uh, franchise that he owned, but I think it's always interesting to point out how philanthropic he is um, because it doesn't seem like he does all he can to make money. He gives it away a lot, um, which is really cool. I know that he he gave a huge portion of the $4.4 billion he got from Disney for Lucasfilm, which if you ask me and if you look at it now, is probably a cheap price for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He gave much of that money to an education foundation that he started. So education... um, Uh, representation is huge in his life and so is art he has like this new art thing in Chicago that he's starting to so 
Let's hear it for George Lucas, giving some of that money that he supposedly is a uh, you know money grabbing, but he likes to give a lot of it away. Yeah, yeah that's good awesome. For so, yep. Good for him. I wanted to shout out that for him. Um, and this is other good news for me, guys. Uh, Colin, there's we got our Golden Golden Globe and our Oscar host out yeah, there. Yeah, right? yeah. I think in the same week, even yeah, that have been announced, and two people I think are great for this. Um, and returning, both returning, of them. Are yeah. Really uh, first one that came out was Chris Rock hosting the Oscars this year, which I'm thrilled about. I'm yeah, I love Chris Rock. Yeah, I think he's yeah, like, one he's of the hilarious. best stand-ups. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, and <laughs> smart and funny and charismatic. Mm-hmm. And his movie top five last year was great. Uh, well, I was I want to see I it. It's it. really good. I never saw that. No, I really I did want to see it. It's yeah. really good. Um, so yeah, I I remember bits and pieces of when he hosted last time, and uh, I. I, lo- I loved when he hosted last time. He had some really funny bits. Um, so I'm really interested to see what he brings this year. And hopefully, I think a little bit over the past two years, the Oscars have started to soften up and not be, you know, the anal retentive show that it used well, I to think, be I like think maybe there was six a little... years ago. Well, I think when... Well, wait, what do you mean? You think it's, like it, it's more... Uh... I think between... Anne Hathaway, James Franco, Seth, uh, Seth MacFarlane, and who else was last year? Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. And I Ellen, the Gen- the Ellen DeGeneres was, was a reason. Yeah, yeah, he was. Ellen DeGeneres was before that yes. too, right? Her too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, McFarlane, was, McFarlane was thirteen. Neil, um, Ellen DeGeneres was fourteen. Neil Patrick Harris was this year. Exactly. I think there's been kind of a looser vibe to yeah. the Academy Awards that they're trying to get. Um, not always 100% successful, but they're trying. So I hope this is another way to, you know, bring some edge, some smartness, some relativity um, into the Academy Awards. Yeah, it's been a little like, I mean, you can look at whether it's whether it's uh, Seth MacFarlane's We Saw Your Boob song or if it's uh, Neil Patrick Harris walking on stage com- almost completely naked. It's been a little different. Yeah, the last yeah. few years. Yeah. Um, um, so I basically, basically, the last time Chris Rock hosted the Oscars, it was a little less edgy than it is now. So you'd be mm-hmm. you'd be interested to see what he could get away with this yes. year. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I uh, I like Seth MacFarlane as much as people. I thought, thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I thought yeah, he yeah. hit all the right jokes and. They saw your boot. I couldn't believe. There was believe, like a fake outrage. I couldn't believe the backlash. Oh my that god! Saw the, the fake outrage for "We Saw Your Boobs" was absurd. You know, like they did the song and then they cut away to things that were already recorded of actors like responding to it and whatnot. Because their dresses and their suits were different. Their tuxedos yeah, yeah, were no, different yeah, right, from what right, they were right, wearing. Right. And people completely missed that fact. And they're like, it made everyone uncomfortable. Actors clearly didn't like it. It's like you don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. Like, I, I mean, these I are saw... also all these these are people that got nude on camera. Yeah, how uncomfortable people... can they possibly? Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know. I just thought, I thought it, I thought I liked McFarlane. I liked Alan Generous. Yeah. I thought Neil Patrick Harris was okay. Oh God, I thought and he was I, horrible. I think we talked. I talked about this somewhere. Maybe a lot. Probably April or whatever. That but yeah. we don't think it was Neil Patrick Harris's fault necessarily. Yeah, that they were. It yeah. was really bad produced. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he obviously is funny and has yeah. the chops for that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, not writers were bad. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about, like, the. What was it? That, like, box. 
I was like, this has the the mm. nominee in it. Was such an awful, oh yeah, <laughs> awful setup and awful set oh piece. It was God. like, what are we uh, doing? Yeah. Oh man. So I I'm I just Chris. If you go back and watch Chris Fox's uh, first monologue, it's it's absolutely hilarious. So yeah. I'm glad he's back. Yeah. Um. And speaking of Edge, who do we got hosting the Golden Globes? Probably my favorite host of anything ever. Ricky Gervais is back to host yeah. Golden Globes, and thank God. I mean, I love Tina and Amy, and what they did for the past three years, incredible. And if you can't have them back to continuously do the Golden Globes, I'm so, so happy Ricky Gervais is back. He is offensive and hysterical. <laughs> and I think, every, I you know, I don't think Hollywood necessarily likes him too much. Yeah. Well, but then again, he keeps getting this gig. Yeah. So. But I think the viewers love it. And I think Gervais realizes the absurdity of everything that's going on around him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the audience of the Golden Globes really responds well to. And, and I think the Golden Globes um, kind of prides itself as a broadcast at being the anti-Oscar yeah. thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? In every way. Yeah, it's yes. very casual. But for sure in the hosting, I mean, in what the host can do. They all get drunk. Oh, they're hammered. Everyone, yeah, I mean, Richie, get, Ricky Gervais will be drunk. I mean, yeah. Oh, my God. He comes out there with drinks most of the time and just unapologetically just bashes celebrities for what they probably deserve to get bashed on i yeah i i like him but you know i hear he is just a real dick in real life really yeah like like like, he's a real rick yeah a real rick um yeah i think it was simon Pegg who said like ricky gervais as like an actor and comedian is amazing and hilarious ricky gervais in real life is a dick like total dick like he is well i can see can't that wait but to just get on top of someone and just completely <laughs> hey, destroy some, them hey some of the funniest people i know are also some of the meanest people yeah, i yeah, know definitely. <laughs> yeah so cool i think uh i'm i'm totally ecstatic for both those yeah to be honest with you i never watched the golden globes i did when ricky gervais did it i'm gonna do it again and no yeah. no offense to tina and amy I, mean, I love them both but um there's a there's a kind of like there's a kind of like drunk uncle at the thanksgiving dinner table appeal to like what is he gonna say this time <laughs> yeah i mean i think tina what tina and amy did for the past three years wouldn't have been possible had ricky gervais not thing. done oh, it yeah, for the past yeah. Oh, yeah. two years uh-huh. and i think they did a lot of his same type of humor a little bit toned more toned down than mm-hmm. what gervais does now why do you think they have a new movie coming out right sisters yeah oh yeah that looks bad what sisters? Yeah, I know. I don't think it looks. I, I do you think that's his, why they're not doing it for some reason? Is are they like I mean, they're going to be busy marketing or something? Or I mean, no, or do I you think, think the contract was up and and know, they wanted to just change it up? Yeah, why would they want to host? Yeah, do it again now. I mean, it know. seems like a lot I thought of they were going to be hosting stress. the Oscars. I thought that was like their best bet, mm-hmm. which they probably will in the next couple of years. Yeah. I don't know if the Oscars is ever going to do a duo again. <laughs> You know, what the, okay, no, they'll do a duo of competent comedians. Right like, no, that was the worst well, Oscars I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah, it was. Well, of course, talking Baldwin about Baldwin and Steve Martin, and that was all that was, right. Yeah, because those oh, yeah, they're both right. comedians well, they're both and amazing. actors. Yeah. yeah. No offense well, to James Franco, James not Franco. funny. Anne Hathaway, unbearable. <laughs> but, but put them both, put them both in oh, together gosh. to host a show, and you've got like the most unwatchable thing ever. I like Even more unwatchable separate. than undateable. I like them both separate. Those two personalities together is 
Something I will never understand. I think James Franco's funny. He's not charismatic. Yeah. He's not super charismatic. He's more stoner funny. And I don't. And I mean that not because I like. That's where his comedy lies. Mm-hmm. Almost in all of his movies and stuff mm-hmm. is kind of the like uh, subdued comedy, not yeah. not vibrant Billy Crystal esque. Yeah. Uh, Oscar, you know what I mean? Not like jokey yeah. comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. like absurd acting, right. kind of. Right. You know. Um, and and did, Hathaway just isn't funny. Just so. do you, I, this is I maybe we're not prepared to answer this question, and we can skip this. But if you'd like, but do you guys have a dream Oscar host that hasn't already hosted? Uh, that hasn't already. Has Eddie Murphy hosted? No, but I don't think he would. Do yeah, I don't think he would now. do it anymore. But <laughs> Eddie Murphy. He's, he's, he's so weird nowadays. Yeah, so like weird. Eddie Murphy in Prime would be. Like, yeah, of course. Maybe. Amazing. Maybe, like, Amy Schumer now. I think she could be really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I support that. Tina Fey and Amy I, you Poehler know, I, were hilarious. Yeah. I think if Seth MacFarlane can host the Oscars, then Amy Schumer is, yeah. like, you know, I, she, she could have that in a second. I, I mean, think right Stephen now. Colbert could do it. I think, oh, yes. yeah, I think Colbert yeah. is a great, a great one. Even, yes. did Conan ever host, or was that the Emmys he hosted? He did Emmys. I think... I mean, it's weird though with the talk show guys because you can't imagine ABC going to another talk show host to host the Oscars. You know what I mean? Same. You know, if I talk about my dream Oscar host, it wouldn't happen because again, ABC. Why would ABC do this? But Jimmy Fallon would make a great Oscar host. I'm sorry, he would. There's, I guess I'm just not a fan of him. I, I can see how he would be a good Oscar. Yeah, host. I I I, I, I bow to Jimmy Fallon. I think he's doing a great job. I love him. He brings the variety show comedy I back that, that would be perfect. That would be yeah. perfect for an Oscar show. What are they gonna? Come on up, Bradley Cooper. Come on up, Anne Hathaway. Let's, Let's play, play a game. game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like throwing footballs. At I something. mean, maybe it'd be different than. I mean, like, there's a staleness to the Oscars. <laughs> there's a staleness to the Oscars. He is maybe the worst interviewer ever. Oh well, yeah, that's not his. I thing. mean, he's not that's a hard. He's not a hard hitting questions to anyone at all. But I love to see Howard Stern Ooh, host the Oscars. Host anything. I love Howard. Howard Stern. Stern hosting the Oscars could be very funny. <laughs> It'd have to be R rated. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it would be funny though I'd like to see the Oscar statue changed for that night you know he, he can make little details yeah. to it yeah. you know those details Stern, uh, Stern is one of the best interviewers yeah, Stern, I, I'm I love, off on a weird tangent here yeah. but yeah, he maybe, is one of my favorite you people know, maybe John Hamm would make a good host because John Hamm freaking hilarious yeah uh-huh. yeah I'd be into that hmm. there's a lot of people that could host The Rock The Rock we laughed, but that could be a possibility. I, mean, <laughs> I think it could be a possibility. Oh, my God. The Rock and Vin Diesel. That would be the best. <laughs> I, don't think they fit on, I don't think they fit on the screen. Together. Actually, The Rock Ro- makes I a think... funny joke, and Vin Diesel just goes... <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think he would ever do it, but Robert Downey Jr., I think, would make a really good host. But um, yeah, you wouldn't, I don't think you get a lot of singing out of him, but I think he it would be hilarious. If... Because he can make anything sound confident and funny, and he can also make fun of people, and I don't think people care. Do you know what I mean? He's got mm-hmm. that charm to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would, but Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's already done it, has he? Has he? I don't think I so. I he has hosted the Oscars. I don't believe no? so, but that would be amazing. I, I mean, He's if kind I of, was him, I wouldn't. His but. career is, ama- is like kind of hilarious, because it's all of a sudden, it's like everyone loves Jerry Seinfeld again, where there was a couple of, like, it was like, 
you know, after Seinfeld, he kind of like he did well, B movie and stuff yeah. like that. And now he does comedians and cars getting coffee, Great. and everyone loves it. He's like he's basically the New York Mets mascot right now, which yeah. is hilarious. So good for Jerry Seinfeld. I would love to see Jerry Seinfeld. Host the I mean, I wouldn't do it if I was him. No, I wouldn't do I it would if I was anyone. It. It's, 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 like, it's really a lose lose. It's like you might as well be an NFL referee. There's, there's, it's a thankless job, and no one, you know, no one appreciates yeah. the stuff. Yeah. If you do good, they're like, oh, they did good. Yeah, they're, they're bad. They did okay, you know, but I'd like to see someone else do it next year. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, like I said, we do get together having seen a movie to talk about it in depth. Um, guys, this this week, uh, in, in uh, the spirit of Halloween and scary movies, um, we saw Guillermo del Toro's. Crimson Peak. Uh, this is a movie I think we were all were very excited about, having seen the trailers for the last few months. Um, we I think we all really like Del Toro and his movies. We've mm-hmm. talked about it a few times, whether it's uh, Pan's Labyrinth or Pacific Rim. Um, you know the very wide range I think of movies that he can do um, and has done. Um, and it was released this week or last. I don't know. Whatever. When does it come out? The sixteenth. So we're, we're, we're kind of catching up here, but um, yeah, dude, who wants to talk about the plot of this movie? Kind of summarize it a little bit. Mitch, you have a, you have a plot summary? Twitter yes. version. Twitter version. Just get it out there. <laughs> and then we'll, then we'll get into our I thoughts. Wa- I want to do uh, Guillermo del Toro's voice because it's great. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to do my best. <laughs> when I made these, these film... I really, <laughs> I really wanted to create a gothic romance that had ghosts in it, and that's pre- that's pretty much the film. You sound like a Muppet. Uh, okay, <laughs> you heard the guy? No, no, he does sound like, like that. So, a, he looks like a Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is a this is a very uh, I, I would say this is a very romantic kind of yeah, love story, weird. a tragic love story, a very weird story that is kind of has a ghost story in it kind of movie um you know it's, it was marketed as a very ghost movie and yeah, it was um as a horror film. yeah as a kind of a horror film it doesn't really have it has it doesn't have too much horror in it it's actually more of just like a very it's a very melodramatic love story in a lot of ways um so you know the the, the story basically is uh mia what's her what's her what's her face mia what's her face what's Kowska? yeah that one um the <laughs> woman named edith uh falls in love with uh tom hiddleston's character thomas sharp and she moves to across the pond from america with him to uh live with him and his sister and uh something's not right with tom hiddleston's thomas and uh edith and her and some of her friends are trying to figure out what's the deal here, what's really going on. So that's the story of, of Crimson Peak, and let's get into it. Um, Colin, what were your first thoughts on this film? Uh, well, after I saw it the, the day it came out, and after seeing it and then like going to reviews, I love how divisive this movie has been. <laughs> the people who love it love this movie. I think it's gonna. And people yeah. who hate this movie hate this movie. Yeah. So I'm. I can't wait for this discussion. Yeah, I think this is gonna be a good but, discussion. Um, so what, where, where do you? Where do you on that spectrum? I'm way on the love. I mean, I, I, I don't think this movie is perfect in any means. Um, I don't think so. But either. I, I ate this movie up. I mean, we're gonna talk about this a lot visually. This movie is so lush and so amazing and one of the best design movies in recent memory. And, and what you would come to expect from yeah, Del Toro. I, nothing less, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I think the story is a lot more complicated than a lot of people have thought it is. And um, I love how this movie just kind of marches to the beat of its own drum. It doesn't want to fall into a specific genre. It doesn't want to go into a specific type of structure. It kind of just does what it wants. And I, I, I really like that. And I like this movie. Okay. Uh, Mitch, um, do you agree with the divisiveness of this, of this film? And, and where do you uh, stand on it? I get it. I can see how people would be very divisive. (laughs) The starting off, I was kind of annoyed by it. Um, it got really entertaining really fast. But I think the the latter half, like, it redeemed it completely. All, everything about it. I was like, yes, that was so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that kind of movie. Um, like, if I had to decide, and look, I think <clears throat> maybe I've been annoying in this sense throughout this whole series of podcasts, but I've been the guy who's like, every movie's good. Like, there's always something good about every movie. And, like, we shouldn't trash Jurassic World. It's great. <laughs> and I, you know, even Tomorrowland, I tried to pull on, 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 on um, anything I could find in that movie that I thought was good. And I will do that for Crimson Peak, too. But I'm not going to lie to you guys and say that I wasn't disappointed when I saw this film uh, the other day. Because, you know, it, it was false marketed mm-hmm. as yep. a scary movie. Yep. And I was, I felt ashamed. I felt... Um, like something was taken from me. No, I get that. I mean, the mm-hmm. best parts in this movie, I think, are the beginning and the design of the mother ghost scared mm. the shit out of me. And oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. this is going to give me nightmares. It didn't. And it it's not to the point where like when the movie ended, I really questioned why are there even ghosts in this movie? You could have not had ghosts in this movie. It would have been really the same movie, right? Well, the, the they, ghosts propel the plot. How? They basically give her clues to what happened yeah and like point and you know give direction uh, yes but like what happened but she could have i mean you literally but no i, I agree that, like, it could like, have been without ghosts them, you don't but, need ghosts but like, it added to the creepiness and whatnot well it goes the, to what her character also said to too i mean it's, <laughs> it's well, this isn't a ghost story it's just a story that happens to have ghosts in it yeah i know but it's just it's a little biz- it's like i mean in literally and to the point of like like it's it's very weird. Like I mean, spoilers. Um, when Tom Tom Hiddleston dies, right, his ghost appears just so uh, randomly. Yeah, or yeah. But I mean, it's all only it's, it's it's used to save her, I guess, in a way. But yeah. like, it doesn't do anything for the movie. Like it really like all those ghost things, other than creepy imagery for a movie that's not that creepy in terms of like it's creepy in other ways but mm-hmm. um i don't know it just it's i i can't figure out for the life of me like why there's ghosts in this movie it's not because it, the, the ghosts aren't the antagonists yeah mm-hmm. right they're not the protagonists in any uh-huh. way they there's no no one else is afraid of ghosts in this movie besides her like there's no sense of terror at, at by the time you get to the end of the movie there's no sense that the ghosts are going to be the resolution of this movie and then they are kind of at the end well, it was just—it was very weird to me. I would have—I well, I, I want to see that. It's—it's—it seems to me that we talk about how well, well designed this movie is in terms of I think the ghosts and the costumes and that house that mm-hmm. I don't—I I tried to look. I don't know if they built that or they if they found it, but it was—it's an amazing architectural design uh-huh. um, in terms of creepiness. 
And it just seems like such good design to scare you that is wasted a little bit. And I hate to use that word again because I am the, you know, apologist of every filmmaker ever. I like to be that guy. But I just, it was like, this could have been so scary and it's not. I, I, I disagree with the fact that, I mean, I, I too love the opening, like, you know, first act of the movie i love i mean because i like you know kind of romance like that and i thought it was a, such a departure because so i hated the beginning <laughs> i i like to be i love well i also was like fucking eating up these costumes yeah like, it I mean, was my yeah, job. yeah yeah costumes were everything was <laughs> so great about I, it. the design yeah and so that was enough for me to yeah. you know what really like the beginning but i disagree i thought when they get to that house i thought that house was designed perfectly to tell the story and I thought once we were in the house, this overall sense of dread and confinement and even to have like this, the idea of this house sinking and this red that I mean, that, the, the, the idea of the walls. Yeah, the idea that the clay is, I mean, it's yeah. cool. It's scary. It's, but yeah, it, yeah. But, but so I, 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 I'm confused when you say that the house is wasted on... Because it wasn't scary enough. Yeah, because it, because it ultimately it wasn't the house that was the scary part of this movie. Well, and, and that's not the point. I know, it's but it could it could have been like it should have it, it, it but it should have been it would have been like no and it, and it is at first and then it's not and then you're like well I, but that's there's just I, no there's no sense of danger think, from the ghost I guess is my point well, like but the people not, are more dangerous yes. I know but when you go to see a ghost movie you but it's be, not a ghost movie I know and that's why I'm disappointed <laughs> I, I mean it's not and that's fine but like it's it isn't what I, I thought mean, it was gonna be and the, that's part of why I was disappointed I mean the film is about like a family losing their like minds and losing everything they own and the shit that they'll go through to try and get rich again and get their names back. So, and that that's part of the mystery. I think that was I mean, the house is a metaphor for that, the fucking clay digging machine was a metaphor for that. Like these people <laughs> these people have no way out and the mystery then, you know, it's it's a framing device and I I liked it. I liked I like the ghosts. I like the house. I thought they told the story well. Like it, it helped our main character figure things out. I mean, if you didn't have the ghosts, or if the ghosts were demons and were the bad guys, it wouldn't be. I don't think I'd like it. It mm-hmm. would be. It wouldn't be as scary to me. Because I'm gonna be honest. This ending was scary. I thought she was scary. Uh, Jessica Chastain's character is scary. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess my thing, like, basically, basically, he uses ghosts in this movie the way that, like, Shakespeare used ghosts. Yeah. Or that, or that like, you know, Star Wars Shakespeare, that hack of an artist. <laughs> no, like, no, I'm just saying, but that's not, it's a different, we don't, I don't care for that in this movie. Like, it, it's, it's, once you put ghosts in a movie, it becomes the genre. Like, it, you, you're, you're already lumping it in with every other movie that you've seen ghosts with. Whether or not that's fair... Um, is one there. thing, but then if it's if that's not the case, then don't market it like that. Well, that is not the film's pro- but fault. But he wanted not... to make a gothic romance with ghosts in it. That's also not Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> fault either. It's the studio's fault for marketing it for badly. marketing it that way. No, I and I even del Toro put out a letter before the movie was released saying, "Don't expect this to be is a that true? Movie. I didn't yes, see that. That's no, true. I didn't see that because he felt that the marketing of this movie was kind of doing it a disservice. Which, for your case, I guess it did. I mean, had you not seen a trailer, trailers I mean, it, or advertisements for it, 
you would have a different perspective of this movie, I think. See, yeah. that, that's weird because I was expecting a ghost story and I ended up really liking yeah, it. I did too. Because <laughs> I, I mean, you it see, subverted my expectations. I guess. Okay. Okay. I guess. I guess the other thing is, is that, is that there's so many shitty ghost stories out there and ghost movies out there, and I hate the genre. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of it. And I think if there's one person who could do it very well, it's him. And I was. That's maybe why I was also excited for that. Uh, I think this is done well in that sense. The ghosts are no, but, scary, but, but they're not uh, like it. And there weren't many jump scares or anything. That just in the beginning, that fucking loud noise yeah. when the hand grabs her, that was the main jump scare. I was like, Dude, like God damn it! But nothing else. Everything else is just creepy. It sticks with you. Like I can picture the creepy ghost holding the baby. I can picture the creepy ghost that comes down the hall and like puts its head in the doorway and she turns around and it's gone. Like they are, they were cool designs and scary. They weren't meant to, it's, this isn't the conjuring. This isn't any other fucking ghost mm-hmm. movie that know, come know, five ghost movies that come out a, a year. This looks like a lot of money went into it. This looks like a lot of careful thought in the story, you know, this isn't your run-of-the-mill ghost story. And this is what, going back to the reviews I've read and things, most of the reviews I've read of it, the criticism of this movie is the fact that it's not falling in a particular genre or box for someone. Yeah, it seems like critics and, were confused. And that is like so, I think, like such an unfair and shitty reason to not like a movie. Yeah. Especially an original movie like that, because we constantly hear critics saying... Oh, there's no more original movies out. And then one comes along, you're like, that didn't follow the formula for these movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I can agree with that. <laughs> no, I know, but there's a... I just think... I don't know. I, I think that it's... But you, I think you expect something that comes out around Halloween time that's marketed as a as a scary movie. I mean, there's a certain expectation you go into seeing that. Um you know, I, I don't know. You're right. I'm sure. Like it's. I think that if someone who had never seen this movie, seen anything about this movie, would go and watch it, they'd see it differently. I'm not gonna win this battle. I mean, I, I personally just, you know, I don't care for the melodramatic love story in this movie. Like I don't because honestly, that's oh, been that, done that was, before too. And that, I, I, I don't know. The love if, story was bullshit. Yeah, and if, and if you're looking stupid. for something original in this movie, it's only in design. If you ask me, it's not in story. Well, I think the love story and the ghost part of the story was more designed for Mia Wasikowski's character to become the artist that she wants to be. Well, see, that's my other, see, that's, okay, that's my other thing about this movie is like, why is she a writer other than the beginning and the ending of the movie? Like, there's, I don't know, it's, it's like never comes back into play really and like, there's this really, I, I this is a big pet peeve I have with, with movies and I think we can even bring up, we, we saw a piece of No Nation this week too, which is it has a voiceover, so great. If you have a voiceover in a movie for me, have it throughout the movie like Beast of No Nation did. I hate when movies like this have a voiceover in the beginning of the movie and the end and that's it because I'm just, conf- why? It's like very confusing. It's like there's, you, you again, it's like you don't even need that. We already, we can get what she's, you know, she can say to someone, I believe in ghosts. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it was going to be like, oh, so at the end, I was like, is she, so she's got this voiceover because this is what, this is the story she's writing. Yeah. But there's nothing to be, there's nothing really visually to suggest that was there at the end of the movie. No. Like but, there's no, like, she doesn't like finish a manuscript, pack it up and send it to someone. Well, I will say this. I, I've noticed this later. There's a, when she submits her novel or whatever to um, that publisher, 
and he reads it and he says oh there's there's no love story you need a love story and what does she say she says i wanted to write a ghost story but you know they wanted love you know they wanted me to put a a bad love story (laughs) in it so i thought like that this is her story you know i I don't know she experienced the story that she was supposed to write yep and I don't know. I I liked it. It doesn't bother me that much that she doesn't have narration throughout because the mystery drove the plot and her talking to. Well, that's my point. Name is that's that's my Thomas. And so, you, but like, it kind of ruins some of the mystery to have a voiceover at all because she's expositioning everything. No, I will agree with that. I didn't like that we saw that. Spoiler: She lives at the end. I didn't like seeing that. I would have liked just. On She's black, there at on the black house saying and... ghosts are real this much I know. Is that what you Yeah, says? yeah, something like that. If it was just black and then we went to the scene of her mother's funeral or whatever it was. Was it? At the end or the beginning? In the beginning. Yeah, cuz it, yeah, yeah, it yeah, opened yeah, with her yeah. in the red snow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, if it was like a if it was like the whole thing was like ghosts are real, love is not kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that could have paid off for me in some yeah. way. I just think the love story was, I never believed it. It wasn't. It well, wasn't, you know what though? That's, I didn't care. I think it that was that's, the mystery that really got me. But I, I think like, that's. Oh, this is fun. I think this is early twentieth century love. I mean, that's just <laughs> our concept yeah, of love no, is different yeah, than no. it was. I mean, seriously, like I said, it's a gothic romance novel with ghosts in it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's over flowery flower. Flowery, flowery, and, sure, and uh, overly sentimental yeah, yeah. and just unbelievable. Um, I mean, we—I don't know how much time we skip in this movie, but you know, they get married. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, there's a lot of time. And it does take place. That's why it's hard to believe that they're they're actually in love. And I would assume I haven't read any gothic romance novels, but but I would assume that they're kind of similar and that like yeah, I'm sure. Like, wow, she's really in love, and I have no reason to believe it, <laughs> so, except um, the fact that she says it. Speaking of love and the love themes in this movie, um, we would be remiss not to talk about the relationship between uh, the Sharps. Yeah, I saw that coming. Um, Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston. I, I saw that coming, uh-huh. which which is? Incest. Incest, that they are brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I was actually one. I mean, I saw, like, are they really, are they, like, masquerading as brother and sister? Because they obviously have yeah, something. Yeah, she seemed demonic. Yeah. I thought that that, that was going to play in, like, she was going to be a ghost. Yeah, evil and I will say that they like were that. terrifying together. I oh, mean, yeah. just, it was scary. I mean, they were. She was. She terrifying. was, yeah, she, she, she was freaky. She was good. I, I thought it was good. I loved what she was doing. And yeah. that's another criticism I saw about this, with people were not liking her performance. Um,. You know, a I'd say on the nose at first, but I think at the end completely. Pays yeah, I, I'd say too that the dialogue isn't the greatest thing in the oh, world. No, no, no. So to <laughs> you know, and and like that's not his strength to begin with. And <laughs> I don't I don't usually care, and I don't yeah. care in this movie either. Like I don't. I mean, it is cheesy, a little intentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Half the time, um, especially the love stuff. So I think some of her dialogue is kind of not great, but you know what she does with it most I, time yeah, is amazing. I think she like is like fully committed to this role and she eats it i mean yeah. i it yeah. looked like she was having fun doing what she yeah. was doing yeah no, I agree. and um you know i think she was playing piano for real a yeah, little a little bit there was, i think yeah. some of the complicated stuff she, was. she wasn't but mm-hmm. yeah good for uh good for old jesse um what about loki there <laughs> he's okay really he's okay in this movie Colin, okay. I liked him. I did yeah. not like. Wait, him, wait. What's I didn't the, think it was 
fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, know. he he's him. He's Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he does what he does. That's yeah. and which is play this kind I, of guy. I believed him in the part. It just wasn't anything that I was like, wow, you know, because we all hear, you know, Tom Hiddleston. He's a great actor. He's going to be Hank Williams, you know, in yeah, this yeah, upcoming yeah, yeah. film. Uh, this does not his acting performance. I mean, it, it serves the story. There's nothing spectacular about it. I mean, he's a good generic bad guy. Um, I think in general or mysterious the, guy. Is he even the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. But he he is. If he is not the bad guy in this movie, he was a bad guy. He is a bad you know guy I mean? in yeah. the sense that he's luring. And I think yeah. I think he's probably to me honestly is the most interesting character in this film. In that he seems to like have found. He's trying to. Um, he's trying to kind of make up for his sins. I think, right? Is that not the mm-hmm. vibe you got yeah. from him? Yeah, by the end, yeah, definitely. through the because he, he we we do get the impression he like falls for Edith actually mm-hmm. when he didn't think he was going to, right? Yeah. Well, but like I said, he, I don't really never, believe it, but because they yeah. had done this to a bunch of other women and they, he had yeah. never slept with any of them besides her, and you know he was he helped her out he helped the doctor remember that uh-huh. right right yeah. who was the dude in pacific rim yeah yeah um what's his name charlie hunnam charlie hunnam yep. <laughs> and uh yeah that was a weird i thought character. that was another <laughs> sorry <laughs> a weird spe- character too. yeah so speaking of that character that was weird i thought another very odd scene in this movie where this is like again why do they even fancy yourself a detective cuz it didn't it didn't come back into play later it was this whole thing about some people can see ghosts, some people can't. Yeah. You remember they're in the eye doctor thing place, and oh, he's okay. and you know he's like, my friend's colorblind; he can't see red and green. And I think some people are colorblind to ghosts. Oh, it's yeah, like basically what he was applying, and that whole scene didn't pay off for me in any no, way. Not like at it all. didn't because we never really saw someone who, like, there was no scene where she sees it and no one else does, yeah. and then yeah. that created conflict. So that was a very odd scene to mm-hmm. me. It was a cool concept. But yeah. it didn't come back to pay off at all. Yeah, that was a weird scene. I, I agree. Yeah. I think it was just the point that ghosts are real by making up this uh, photographic yeah. like filter that right. somehow picks up ghosts. We, we can only, you know, <laughs> humans can only see some sort of spectrum and everyone else yeah, can yeah. see another's. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Whatever, ghosts. Um, 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 uh, what, what did you, did you guys... Did anything super surprise you about this script and this story? The sex scene? <laughs> Did, I thought that that was a pretty graphic sex scene for uh, for not showing that much. I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it to be, I, well, I thought it was actually it was fucking hot. Yeah. Good, yeah, yeah. They did. They did well. The, I've, there was I bought like, it basically. Yeah, I, mean, I bought honestly, it too. That's I was a like, hard Whoa. thing. That's a hard thing to sell in yeah. movies to me. Is like. You know that they're actually doing it, and then <laughs> yeah, I bought it. Um, uh, but I was like, "Wow, ooh!" But like, you know, yeah, I think okay, so. I think I think it's interesting. So this, I think it's interesting because because there's no nudity. I mean, you see Tom Hilton's ass right in front of yeah, your face, but insane. but that's but that's PG th- that's PG thirteen nudity. Um, yeah, but that scene was R. No, I but in the movies R. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I sometimes you see movies like, for example, my perfect example ever is the matrix a movie where you could tell they wanted it to be pg-13 because it doesn't it's not that bloody there's no there's like one f word in the matrix i think but because it was so scientifically graphic they pushed it up to r because the content was was like adult they pushed yeah. it up to r and i think this movie is like they say one f word there's not 
The gore is not that gory. Oh, no, I disagree. I think it's pretty gory. She stabs him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> the guy gets his, that guy gets his face bashed that in. That was so intense. Yeah, that was... Oh, my his God. His face gets bashed in with the, at the edge of the sink, and, like, you see it, like, getting Ooh. caved in. I guess the, seeing his face was gory, but, like, in almost... I thought... I just think that this was, like, borderline PG-13R. It surprised me that it was... It wasn't... I think the gore because all the blood, the, you know, the, you know, the gore. Maybe I don't know. It's it's just it's it's kind of weird to me because it's look. This isn't doing very well at the box office, nice. and and you'd think that the, look the crowd you want to get for this kind of movie is a, a younger crowd, yeah, and it's it's just weird to me that they. I think you could have made this movie for PG thirteen. It wouldn't have lost much in it, and maybe it's just the. Th- themes i mean you got incest, so yeah well, incest, that's that's where i think that's where it, it's pushed i yeah. think is that's that was my point is that i don't think it's that gory there's obviously not a lot of language in it i and there's no nudity that's real you know that's excessive and i think that yes i think it's the i think it's the content that really bumps us up to an r rating and i mm-hmm. thought that was gutsy on that i mean and that but at the same time it does make the movie in a way i mean if, if there's no incest going on in this movie it's not as shocking yeah yeah um just some just interesting uh-huh people decide that they're going to make these decisions the gore was believable though to me i mean the guy gets his face bashed in on the edge of a porcelain sink and it literally is caving in on his face like as it's doing it like just blood brains are squirting everywhere and his bones are just being crushed and i and i love that because you know for the past like 20 minutes we've gotten like this really romantic like yeah. like as we <laughs> talked know. about yeah. and yeah. then all of a sudden it's this jarring murder yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like it was like it's drive like, oh, you know it's kind of like drive yeah, yeah it is like yeah, and then yeah. boom every scene has like a gruesome and yeah and violence works better that way but yeah. it's not you're, unless you're Quentin Tarantino, it's yeah. like you don't you just don't do bloody every scene. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, the that scene, the the st- when she stabs her in the chest, like a lot of interesting places for people getting stabbed. Well, the Tom Hiddleston one, I actually had a tough time watching. Oh my god, yeah, I was like, <gasps> you know, why I had a tough time like, watching because I was I was trying to like I was imagining the physics of that, like her angle did it. Get it yeah, go up? Did I it go up? I kind of had a feel. I kind of had like a weird feeling in my. We're face. talking, of course, when she she hits him in the cheek and it goes through mm-hmm. to the back of the skull. We're assuming, and maybe the brain. brain yeah, uh, and his it. eye starts bleeding. Yeah, Love he starts the single blood, blood tear. Yeah. Single yeah. blood tear. Yeah. Little Shifra there and going. He pulls awesome. it out. That was pretty unbearable too. And he's trying to pull it out. Oh, but my favorite, and I bust out laughing because it was so good, was when she kills Jessica Chastain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. What did she say? She said, I heard you the first time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was yeah. like, that was like out of an 80s action yeah. movie. I loved it. Yeah. That, I loved that it. took, that, I hate this phrase because that took me out of it as bullshit because yeah. I know I'm aware I'm watching a movie but it was just like, I was like, wait a second. She said that? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it, was like a, it was Roger Moore like, like James Bond line. <laughs> what did she say? Like, oh, you're gonna, what did she say? You're gonna have to kill me or whatever if you're gonna get out of this. Yeah. No, okay. Actually, you know what? This I wrote this down as a line that I I hated, and they repeated it, and then it became the joke at the end of the movie, where Jessica Chastain says to her, you know, either I'm gonna die or you're gonna die, and I'm not gonna stop. And it's just like, of, I mean, of course, you guys are fighting. Yeah, Someone's yeah. gonna die. <laughs> yeah, and just that like I we, just, I, like we didn't need that yeah, exposition. But I, I loved I I just love the line like. 
boom just a great sound effect too of that shovel cracking over mm. her skull there's a lot of there's a lot of uh pot I, I laughed i like me and my roommate just bust out laughing there's a lot of pot scene. and pan uh action in this movie yeah. i was like scrambled eggs I'm, i've been i've been i've been uh digging for a pan's labyrinth pun but i, I just i don't know it didn't really work out hmm <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, well, it is Halloween uh, weekend, guys. Uh, is this a movie that you recommend for the the kiddies out there to, uh, to get? And I don't mean kiddies, but I, I just mean that as, as people <laughs> who want to get scared on Halloween. You guys, are you thumbs up in this for the Halloween weekend? Yeah, <laughs> for the Halloween. It's not going to be my go-to Halloween movie, no, but no. it's. But I recommend. I mean, if you're going to go to the theater, it's in the theater right now. I mean, yeah. it's it's better than you know. Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, or whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend it. I found it. I, I mean, I think the scariest part in the movie is when Jessica Chastain rounds that corner with that knife. <laughs> that scared the shit Bitch out of me. Was coming. I was <laughs> like, holy shit! Like her dress and just like bleeding down her like chest and everything. That was scary as hell. Like it remind it reminded me of the scene in Psycho. Spoiler alert. You have to give spoiler alerts for Psycho because so many people don't know that film. I'm sorry, sorry though. I have a rule. If the movie's more than 30 years but it's old, such you don't a have good, to do spoilers. I know, I know good... but I'm just saying, there's no surprise anymore. Look. But when he comes whatever. into the doorway in the the gown and wig, like that, that's what it reminded me of. Like, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was scary yeah, as yeah, shit. Yeah. She yeah. was hell-bent on just fucking killing... Uh, Edith, yeah, Edith. Yeah, yeah, that was scary. That was the scariest moment in the movie for me. Yeah, uh, thoughts. What? Yeah, you got other things going on? No, well, no. I, I just want to say I'm definitely recommending this movie, especially for design purposes. Um, yeah, which, and yeah. I want to say them by name because I think we definitely deserve it. Um, Dan Lawiston, cinematographer. Beautiful usage of blues and golds at the same time and crimson oh my god i was just dripping crimson. over that yeah um production designer thomas sanders art decorator uh brant gordon uh set decorator jeffrey melvin shane vianu and costume kate holly um just such great production work we, well we've come to expect from a del toro film oh, yeah. not only is it beautiful but his production aids in the storytelling mm -hmm. which, and, and makeup too. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Definitely. Um, just great, great production work. Great film. Yeah. It's great film through making yeah. um, world yeah. building. I, I great also, world yeah, building. great world building. I also want to throw out the music. I thought it was amazing mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Fernando Velasquez, yes. um, who seems to be in this genre. A lot. I'm not familiar with his work cause I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but he's only like mama and the orphanage and stuff like that. So, um, you know, he's scary music kind of stuff seems to be his thing. I thought the music was great. So, so cool. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm probably, I'm being harsh on it and I would recommend it to anyone who is really into Del Toro. I think, um, it's a beautiful looking film. Uh, if you like Hiddleston, if you like Jessica Chastain, definitely see this movie, but I would temper your expectations for it to scare you in a, in a conventional ghost way. Well, and I mean, this is, I told my roommate, she, we watched the trailer together. She goes, I'm not into horror movies. I don't like watching scary things. And I come back from the theater. She goes, was it scary? I'm like, no. She goes, oh, I want to see it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't That's why I think it would have benefited them to not market it like this. Yeah. Because you get a wider audience if 
market it as a mystery. I don't know, man. I'm just telling. If, it, if, this, if there was no ghosts in this movie, and I, it just it could be a different kind of movie, and I think it would sell better. What actually. if you didn't know that there were ghosts? What if they in the trailer they didn't even say well, that there and were they, ghosts? But then you'd be really confused. Then you'd be like, "What the I hell? Thought, Why? Whoa, are there... There's fucking ghosts in this movie. Whoa. I don't know. It's a, I really, I, I really liked it. I like the, I, I like the ghosts they added to it, and yeah, kind of helped with the story. I would love a graphic novel of this, to be honest with you. I think I love the imagery of a big house on a hill in the snow that because there's red clay and mm. bleeds on the top of the snow. I think yeah. it's like really. And the it's walls, like straight out of a comic book. The walls book. ooze like yeah. red clay. Yeah. I think How much did you two love the when it was fall, the leaves were falling oh, through? Oh, yeah. 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 I was just and like, when it was winter, the snow was falling through. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, someone fix the damn roof. <laughs> <laughs> There's wood everywhere. Just go up there and yeah. nail it. No, but that was very visually pleasing. Yes. Cool. Well, that is, um, that's Crimson Peak. Um, get out there and see some scary movies this weekend. It's always a, a good time, too. And the weather has been aiding that lately. <laughs> the winds at night have been rattling trees against my window. Um, so it's just in time for Halloween. Um, guys, we did. We also did Beast of No Nation. You can check that one out. We did that this week, too. It's also being released on iTunes as we speak. Um, if you have any um, responses or opinions on any of these movies or anything we've said, death threats, etc., you can... Uh, I don't want those. <laughs> you can... Well, it's Halloween. You can email <laughs> so those. So it's accessible. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at woodwardsfilmcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at woodwardsdt. For Colin and Mitch, I'm Kale. We'll see you next week as uh, November begins and the stretch to the end of the year in Force Awakens continues. Happy hauntings. <laughs> Happy hauntings. Only name brand candy too. This has been a WoodwardsDetroit.com production, your Detroit avenue to alternative pop culture talk. Detroit.